What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today, I've got special repeat guest, John Roth. John was on my podcast way back in 2018. I think he was episode number 65, I want to say. And we talked about how he just recently got diagnosed with late-onset type 1 diabetes. He's a commercial airline pilot, so his wings were stripped from him, and he had to basically totally shift his life trajectory. Um, He has just recently gotten his wings back, which is super exciting. He's been managing his type 1 diabetes through the ketogenic diet and the Air Force, or not the Air Force, but the FAA um, has all kinds of hoops you got to jump through to prove and illustrate that you are safe to fly as a commercial airline pilot. So he kind of dives into those details. We talk about the airline industry as a whole. We talk about his low-carb ketogenic journey. We talk about parenting because he has got a baby on the way. All kinds of exciting things with John Roth going on. Sit back, relax, tune in, and enjoy the conversation with John. John, we are live, man. How are you? Great. Great to hear from you, Rob. Likewise, likewise. It's It's been a long time. I was looking back the last time we had spoke. Uh, I had you on my podcast back in 2018, I believe, for episode number 65. So you were one of the OG podcast guests. Yeah, absolutely, man. I remember, uh, if I recall, right around that time, you were just starting to get a handle on all the uh, orders for the keto bricks and, you know, just upscaling and really getting the business off the ground at that point. Yeah, back, I mean, shoot, at the early part of 2018, we would have been still living at that little bay townhouse, commuting to and from the commercial kitchen space, just totally struggling. But, uh, yeah, those those are good times for sure. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of growth from now on and rather from then on. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, you and Crystal and everyone that you've been involved with have done an awesome job growing that business. It's been exciting, you know, watching all the developments for sure. Yeah, man. Well, I really do appreciate it. But shoot, I want to talk about you, man. You had some very exciting news uh, come to fruition here lately. Um, and and the, the first episode that we talked on, episode 65, really went into detail as to some life-altering things that had happened to you uh, back then. And that's kind of just recently gotten resolved. Uh, so for anybody that hadn't listened to this ep- or the first episode, definitely check that one out. But for the people that won't listen to it can you give us some context man like give us some background as to what happened to you and kind of what your day-to-day has been like since then up till now absolutely so as a quick recap for those just tuning in um got in contact with uh rob um back in 18 like you said and just to have a quick discussion about how um the ketogenic diet and uh basically just low carbohydrate living, healthy living, good whole food nutrition, and so on, um, was helping me manage my uh, recently, uh, or somewhat at that time, recently diagnosed uh, late onset type 1 diabetes. Uh, In combination with that, um, I'm in a very unique position at the time, and now uh, is still my, uh, uh, rather, my current employment is... uh, a commercial airline pilot. So um, when I was diagnosed with type one, at that time, there was no protocols in place by the Federal Aviation Administration to allow um, my reinstatement of my medical certification uh, for my commercial pilot's license. And since that interview, um, yeah, there's been a lot of folks working very hard um, on advocacy and uh, getting some 
approvals put in place through the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, to allow for um, myself and many others to return to work. And uh, that's kind of the, the big news, so to speak, and why I got back in touch with you. Yeah, so to give people some context, you have been uh, an, a commercial airline pilot for how, how many years prior to being diagnosed? So at that point uh, in 2015, I had been involved in commercial aviation for uh, a little over 15 years at that point, if you want to include all my uh, um, flight instruction and then also uh, my work as a cargo pilot and then getting into 121 or airline uh, operations from there. So it was definitely a big uh, bump in the road, so to speak, on my career track and then just forced me into making some uh, pretty significant changes uh, both in career and then also took me down a further rabbit hole of just doing a little bit more in-depth dive so to speak into nutrition and that's what kind of ultimately led me to low carbohydrate uh, you know real whole foods based nutrition and then parlaying that into uh, variations of ketogenic diets as well. Because at the time and correct me if I'm wrong here but the aviation the powers that be with the FAA, they were, they were just concerned that there wasn't enough science out on type one diabetics that, you know, were adopting a low carbohydrate ketogenic diet and they were trying to play it safe and, you know, avoid any risk at all of you having a seizure or anything while piloting a plane. Uh, so they just basically pulled the plug and said, no type one diabetics are, are fit to fly. And then that's pretty much what, you know, tore your wings away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on that, it was, I guess, from uh, the historical standpoint, you know, up until I would say like the last six to eight years, uh, you know, the technology that's been developed um, didn't really allow uh, the FAA to feel comfortable approving not just type one, but also insulin treated type two diabetics. Um, to operate in a commercial flight deck because of their concern with hypo or low blood sugar uh, events in the flight deck that could lead to incapacitation. Um, And then from that standpoint, um, you know, I think their concerns are and still, or rather were at that time, well-founded because in my uh, findings, and I think, you know, most folks that, you know, have practiced a low carbohydrate diet um, will verify that, you know, the stability that you get, particularly with blood glucose management is quite frankly, unparalleled, um, with any other treatment, especially medication based. So, um, that was one big component of it was the technology side, you know, the advent and the advancement of continuous glucose monitors, which, you know, most people in the health space now have probably heard about in some capacity. But those were originally developed for the treatment and and or management of insulin-treated diabetics and has been you know rolled over into the non-diabetic realm to help you know people hone in on their own nutritional and uh, you know training choices. And uh, that I guess piece of technology was a key component in proving to the FAA that, given the correct management tech, uh, techniques um, that we could achieve stability that would provide a safe and uh, a safe environment for us to return to the flight deck and ultimately be responsible for uh, 
a large uh, airline or air transport category aircraft or a you know commercial airliner, um, you know, while uh, utilizing insulin to um, you know treat our disease. And for those of you who don't may who may not be aware of type one diabetes, that is an autoimmune condition where your body basically attacks the pancreatic cells that produce insulin and therefore as a type one, I produce no insulin. So um, I must take it uh, from an outside source. But you're not having to take near as much um, from an outside source due to your blood sugar regulation in part of your diet. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, we may have talked about it slightly on the previous podcast, but um, you know, with a combination of proper nutrition, I think that's the absolute foundation or should be the foundation for really any endeavors. But, uh, with diabetic management, um, comparatively, you know, I also do a lot of, uh, you know, activities and, you know, weight train and do a lot of, uh, outdoor activities and, um, uh, various endurance activities, but nonetheless, you know, my insulin, insulin sensitivity as comparison to some of the other patients in my endocrinologist's office is somewhere between a quarter to an eighth of what most diabetics take. That's insane, man. It's a lot, lot cheaper um, and just a lot healthier on your body and have to be constantly inundated with just injections of insulin. Absolutely, yeah. And then as that, you know, relates to flying and uh, my certification or rather my medical certification with the FAA, it also provides, in my opinion, unparalleled stability, which is ultimately a, a major component of their recent approval of insulin-treated diabetics is the blood glucose stability uh, and your ability to avoid those low blood glucose events uh, that could lead to incapacitation. So they they stripped your wings in 2015. Is that when they took it? Yeah, yeah. That uh, January actually of 2015. So I'm just coming up on six years since my diagnosis. But yeah, uh, third week in January of 2015. Yeah, you know, I found myself uh, in the hospital. Um, you know, and getting diagnosed with type one diabetes after uh, you know a number of different symptomatic things led me into the emergency room. And you just now got the the clearance to fly again this this year in 2021, or was that at the end of 2020? Well, actually, it was it, the kind of the ball started rolling in November of 2019 when the FAA finally released a uh, very specific protocol as far as what medical records and information that they needed to have submitted for what's called a special issuance, uh, first class medical. And, uh, at that time I turned everything in that they had requested and, uh, submitted for that, uh, or rather put the application in for that special issuance medical. And the, you know, as most people know, and, um, you know, we had even talked about, you know, the government doesn't move quickly. So I had no expectations that that was going to be a fast process. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it definitely took quite a bit longer than even the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, normally takes. And that had a couple components to it. Um, one was the complexity and the, I guess, newness of this uh, 
protocol and the, I guess the potential ramifications of it combined with the fact that there was a few folks fairly high up the food chain at the FAA that were not particularly a fan of the program. And I think there was, this is conjecture on my part, but I think there was some um, obstacles being placed there that uh, basically took until December or yeah, October and then late November of 2020 for us to finally get movement on that. They kind of started off in early 2020 um, with, approving about five uh, well five medicals and then they had a couple more trickle through throughout the rest of the year and then there was literally no action for many months uh, about six months and then uh, there was a flurry of activity in um, October and November and then uh, in December uh, finally started to get some real traction and you know, the right people got a hold of the program and the, the records and myself, along with uh, another one of my coworkers um, at the airline I work for, um, along with a couple other folks, uh, got their final approval, which allowed us to get uh, you know back back to work, so to speak. So basically, six years, you know, just on a on a tightrope. Like you're having to submit. I'm assuming they're having you submit like monthly blood glucose panels, data from your CGM, or how's that structured? Right. So the uh, current protocol, and they've, they've modified it a couple of times, but it's lengthy. So, you know, folks that are listening to this that maybe have had, have had some contact with, um, you know, other either type 2 diabetics or, you know, type 1 diabetics might be thinking, well, the one that I know has problems with rapidly fluctuating blood glucose values and in some extreme cases um, may not even be safe to drive in some cases. So how could you possibly, you know, be safe to fly an airplane and not just an airplane, but more importantly, and one that's full of people. Mm -hmm. um, so with that, just to, you know, make a long story short, um, the medical record that I initially submitted and will have to continue to submit on a three, six and uh, 12 month basis, by the time it's all said and done between the uh, optometrist, excuse me, ophthalmologist report, which is an eye doctor, the um, cardiologist report um, with a cardiac risk evaluation, the endocrinologist report, along with the uh, every three month full blood panels, along with an HbA1c and continuous, continuous glucose monitor data with no gaps more than three days at a time, uh, compiled about 187 pages of medical records that have to be submitted uh, four times a year. So you can never have a span at any point longer than three days of CGM data? Correct. Um, and if there is a span of that due to potentially insurance issues or, um, you know, whatever, you know, the, the mail doesn't show up or something of that nature, um, during that time frame when you're not on a CGM and an approved one at that, and there's a couple that are rather, they have very tight parameters on which ones are approved. Um, you have to, you one, you cannot act as a crew member during that time frame, So you cannot fly. And secondly, you have to uh, take finger stick uh, data to show continued, uh, I guess, positive uh, blood glucose management during that time frame. 
That is insane, man. That is a lot of data. It is. Yeah, it, it's not. Um, yeah, it, it's not, I guess, an easy task, but it kind of goes down to some of the stuff that we had talked about previously, where, you know, when you feel that something is a worthwhile endeavor or is important, you know, it's uh, the way I see it is, um, I wouldn't say it's a small price to pay, but it's a worthwhile price to pay for a continuation of something that I, you know, care a great deal about. Yeah, man, I'd love to dive into that. So like the first episode that we were on, you know, this was all still pretty fresh. And we talked a lot about the mindset that came along with, you know, having this career that you've been working towards and on for the past 15 years, having it stripped from you due to this, uh, you know, type one diabetic diabetes onset at 36, I think, uh, in your life. So just totally out of nowhere, uh, not from like family genetic history or anything like that, just bam. Um, and then we talked about the mindset of what it was like losing that career path was with no forewarning and how you just go about your day to day life. I'd love for this episode to kind of touch on having not had that career path for six years and having to just put out all of this data, not really even knowing if you would get it back at the end of the day. Like what what was that what was that shift? What was that mental shift that occurred when you realized that okay, this is definitely worth it. I'm still going to do this no matter what it takes. And then when you finally hear that you've been approved and you're good to fly again, like, what is that like? Yeah, to say the least, it's a, it was a, a whirlwind of items for sure. Um, the first portion of that where the mindset of making, or rather um, being able to pursue something and see it through to its uh, conclusion, so to speak, um, you know, I, I've talked on a couple other interviews about this where you have to have reasonable goals. You know, if it was something that I felt like or was indicated by other medical professionals or, or something of that nature where it truly was something that was legitimately unattainable, you know, you don't want to, I guess, waste effort and time on something that's completely unattainable. Now, with that said, you also don't want to, or I thought, you know, you don't want to confuse that side of, or that viewpoint with something that's difficult. And the indications that I got from the get-go was that everyone thought or felt that this was going to be a possibility. It was just going to be a long road. And at that point, you know, I kind of made the decision to, you know, keep the boots on and keep hiking, man, and just keep after things. And, um, you know, just valuing something enough to stay with it. And I think that's the mindset that, you know, I, I think is a, you know, very important for people to have, uh, you know, and not to say that there weren't, you know, some ebb and flows during that process. And, you know, I credit my friends and family and my wife for being, um, you know, a source of, of great strength through that process. Um, but, um, you just have to decide on these things and, and say, is it worth it? I mean, it's not too dissimilar from some folks that have had and are continuing to have a very uh, long road to regain their health. You know, um, if it's something that's worthwhile, you just have to make the mental decision to say, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to stay with it and I'm going to see it through to its conclusion. And um, with that, 
you know, when the news finally came through in 2019 that there was a protocol that was being released, that was a huge, uh, I wouldn't say win at that point, but it was very, very encouraging because it meant that there was some, uh, there, there were some, you know, positive items on the horizon, so to speak. And then once, you know, some medicals became or were released, and it became, you know, a reality. And then ultimately, uh, you know, when I got the final word from uh, uh, the one of the federal uh, air surgeons in Washington D.C. that my application had been approved, um, it was, it, you know, that was very life changing, um, and it and it really um, made a huge difference as far as just you know outlook and and some adding some validity to you know, this whole process of pursuing this and not just on my uh, account, but, you know, making it possible for others. And that, that was, you know, very rewarding in that case. But yeah, you know, when the, um, when the word finally came through that that medical was going to come through because it had been such a long process and one of great importance, um, it was almost hard to believe and quite frankly until i actually got the email that was you know from the the, the air surgeon in dc and then ultimately when i actually had that medical certification in hand that i could take to my you know employer uh that was going to allow me to return to the flight deck it it almost didn't seem real because it was such a uh it was it's life-changing i mean it just is so yeah, man, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, because this whole time, I mean, your you, your wife's by your side, and she's not really knowing what the future holds. I mean, there's so many people looking to you, trying to figure out what what your next six years is going to be like. So for that to finally all come through, it just must be like this huge sigh of relief from so many different people. Have you have you had the opportunity to fly yet, or you have to get current again? Well, yeah. So um, interesting on that. Um, Again, the the uh, other thing that I believe you'd ask about is maybe what are some of the, I guess, perspectives or you know things that I've maybe learned throughout this last mm-hmm. six years. And and one of the biggest things uh, is, is gratitude. I, I would like to think that I had it before, but uh, this is, has really solidified that for me. And um, Kind of the way that this played out was that, especially given all the stuff that's happened this in 2020, uh, with the you know the whole COVID situation and how that's just decimated our economy and and the airline sector was tremendously affected by that. Um, I myself was working at, and still am an instructor at our airline, but we shut down training for five months and I had to go out on you know VTO or voluntary uh, leave. And, uh, you know, that, that wasn't good. Um, but you know, we got back to it in August and, um, you know, that also, um, implied a lot of uh, gratitude, but where I was going with that was that the timing of this could not have been more fortunate, quite honestly, because of the ramifications due to the, uh, I guess, downturn, uh, in the airline industry, uh, our company is going to cease um, new hire training, which they, they already were, but we were doing what's called transition training where we had pilots transitioning from one aircraft type to another. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is basically 
the last class of that started January 4th of uh, this year. And by just, you know, pure, not luck, but uh, I guess, fortunately for me, my medical approval came through just in time for my employers to uh, get me into that January 4th class. And if that hadn't come through when it did, I'd be sitting on a first class medical with nowhere to go with it. So um, I'm so to answer your question, um, because I've been out for so long, yeah, I have to go through what's called a full training footprint that involves uh, right around six weeks of uh, um, requalification training uh, to get back into the flight deck. So I'm currently about halfway through that process, a little bit more than halfway through that process right now. That's giving me like chills though, man. Like to, to, to think that it took you six years to, to go through all the, the medical hoops to, you know, validate the fact that, you know, can keep your blood levels stable. They finally clear your medical. And then because of the economy and COVID and all that happened last year, they were pretty much nixing any new hires and you were in the last group to be accepted. I mean, that is like freaking fate if there ever is such a thing. No, you got that right, man. I mean, skin of the teeth, skin of the teeth is all I have to say. It's it. I mean, it, it came down to the wire. And on that note, again, you know, gratitude, because there was one of the flight surgeons um, that was aware of our situation. And my company luckily did a great job of uh, backing myself and uh, one of my other coworkers that was in a, the same situation. Um, and the one flight surgeon that once the kind of, well, he, the, the, the federal air surgeon retired and I believe that he was the roadblock, so to speak, or the log, log mm. jam. Once he retired, the kind of gates open, so to speak. And this one other flight surgeon, she was very, very astute and uh, professional in processing our applications and was aware of our time constraints. And, um, you know, she has a large, large uh, hand in, in the timing of all this. And yeah, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful of that. And, um, you know, it's, it, yeah, I mean, it, it literally, if it would have taken two more weeks, um, I would not have been able to get into this last round of uh, classes to get recertified. And I'd be literally sitting on my hands probably for three to five months, depending on how the recovery goes this summer. Yeah, that's, that's insane, man. Uh, just, just to kind of give me and the listeners some some background knowledge uh some insights i mean this is totally off topic of keto and blood glucose yeah. levels but uh what what do you think like what's your prediction as far as the airline industry as a whole going into 2021 because i mean i kept getting you know headline news about how just the all the different airline companies were just you know tanking on everything uh all throughout 2020 so are they on the men there is that is that picking up or what, what what's your take on what's to come well, um, yeah, there's, there's without going down too much of a tangent on that, but from the business standpoint, I can say that things have stabilized. I wouldn't say they're recovering. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is um, you kind of have two sectors of commercial aviation, passenger travel, that is. Um, meaning you have the, what's formerly known as the major airlines, you have Delta United American Southwest, and then there are a few others thrown in there, spirit and frontier kind of, you know, 
in the in that gamut, so to speak. And then you have uh, the regional air carriers, which tend to fly slightly smaller airplanes. Uh, I no longer are they shorter routes. You know, we do some three and a half, four hour long flights at our airline, but I work for one of the last remaining regional airlines. Um, and with that, the regional airlines, the ones that are remaining after all the stuff that played out in 2020, we're doing okay um, because um, we're getting you know leaned on a little bit more by the major airlines, our partner carriers, um, to kind of fill the gap, so to speak. Um, and we we had contracts um, before the before COVID, but um, so I can kind of keep this brief. Um, we're doing okay, but we're definitely not projecting doing any new hire or hiring any new pilots in the next probably six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, prior to COVID, it was, you know, it, it was, you know, going like gangbusters. I mean, we were offering bonuses just to get people through the door to interview them. Um, and that's just, you know, how rapidly things can change. Um, the major airlines, on the other hand, um, it depending on what their contracts are like and how they've managed the decrease in flying, um, some of them have had to take some pretty deep furloughs or layoffs. Um, other ones have been able to negotiate with their employees to have reduced schedules or reduced uh, amounts of hours, well, particularly with the pilot groups, which has allowed them to kind of uh, weather the storm a bit. With that said, um, the damage to the industry would have been far worse without some of the stimulus money. And, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but that has helped, you know, stave the tide, so to speak. Um, and then going back to the gratitude thing, I, you know, in October of 2020, um, in one day, there was just shy of 40,000 airline employees that were furloughed. Wow. So, um, our airline luckily um, did not furlough. We offered some, like I had to go out on the summer voluntary leaves um, and then also part-time where they would, you were still being, uh, you still were being paid, but it was like basically kind of half time. I mean, hence the part-time term and that mm-hmm. helped save costs uh, throughout, you know, the downturn in uh, air travel. Um, but again, some of the other regionals, um, there were prior to COVID uh, roughly 13 regionals. And last time, last I was looking and there's only about five viable regional airlines left. And those, the rest of those airlines, they're, they're done. And it's not just pilots, it's pilots, flight attendants, mechanics, admins, you know, everyone. I mean, it was, it was a massacre quite frankly. Yeah, I mean that's like I don't know the airline industry at all, really. But I mean, I I know how hard it was hit, and I look at just business and industries in general. And when you have something like that that just comes out of nowhere and totally, totally restructures your day to day, like you wake up one morning and you don't have a job and you have no guarantee of a job. I mean, this is all kind of a metaphor for what you experienced firsthand when they took your wings away in 2015, you know, except it's on a much larger scale and affecting entire airlines as, as opposed to, uh, you know, you, it's just, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. It, it's, you know, yeah. if you would have, you know, said in whatever January of 2020, you know, that something like what happened this last year 
was going to go down, you know, you know, people would have just, they, yeah, they wouldn't have believed it. You know, I wouldn't have loved, believed it. Um, um, so yeah, it, it's just been, it's been wild. And, um, you know, the, the folks that I'm sure there's some folks out there right now that are listening to this that are either maybe you know out of work or, you know, their work has significantly changed. And I, you know, I, I feel for every one of them that it, it's been just absolutely brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, you gotta keep the, keep the boots on, keep hiking, man. I like that. Um, do you know, this is again, kind of bouncing around here, but do you know what the parameters are for what they're looking for on the blood glucose to be within a healthy range for, you know, consecutive days? I mean, I, I have no idea. Is there like a pretty large percentage of pilots that have been diagnosed with type one diabetes that have no longer, you know, can fly or is there like a large percentage of that? Is this a pretty, uh, you know, pivotal thing that a lot of people need to be more aware of as far as pilots can potentially get their wings back by controlling their their blood glucose via a ketogenic or low carb diet or is that a pretty small percentage of people um so from the type one side or the type one diabetic side that is a fairly small contingent of people um but I think what really was the catalyst or what was moving along the um, most recent approval was the higher prevalence and increasing, I guess, prevalence of type 2 diabetes mm. um, and how, unfortunately, the standard treatment of care or rather a um, standard of care for treatment for that disease. I'm sorry, I you know, misspoke there. but seems to be the, you know, and, uh, and you've had multiple people far more versed on this than I am on your show, which is great content, by the way, um, talking about how the, uh, I guess, uh, idea behind that was it, the type two diabetes was a chronic progressive and irreversible disease. Mm -hmm. Um, thus the disease track of that as you know, you and most people in the you know, low carb space probably know, is that you eventually will end up on on insulin um and with that said as it pertains to commercial aviation um there is definitely a ever-increasing contingent of the uh commercial airline sector that is not i mean it's it's a slice of society so it's not immune to the same ailments that are you know plaguing our society as you know outside of aviation which is you know, this explosion of, you know, non-communicable generally nutrition and, you know, you know, lifestyle related diseases, um, being type two. So, um, there, there's definitely quite a few people, uh, last numbers that I looked at, um, there was somewhere just South of 3000, um, airline pilots that are rather people that were holding first class medicals that were type two diabetics and at at the time were being treated with non-insulin treatments because up until that point or rather most recently this uh, protocol that i'm operating under had been released um you know there, there was you know once you went on insulin that was it and mm -hmm. uh that that was a big problem um now as far as the type ones um you know uh i guess myself along with to my knowledge, seven others are the only um, type one uh, 
commercial airline pilots in this country. There's there's ones in other countries, uh, but um, you know, I'm to my knowledge, I'm one of seven. Um, so it's a very very small contingent, but um, I think it's an important one. Yeah, <laughs> for definitely. my own selfish reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it definitely has relevance uh, to the uh, airline industry. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and when I would talk to folks and, you know, I had done some advocacy work for this, um, you know, just purely going over the data um, is that just poor health in general or nutritional choices and lifestyle choices. Um, of course, again, like I said, we're a sector of society. So is rampant. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, pilots that have issues with their medicals because of high blood pressure and type two diabetes and, you know, uh, obesity related diseases and, you know, coronary artery disease. And, you know, all of these things can be significantly helped with proper nutritional choices. So I, I do as much as I can when people ask to, um, kind of spread that word, so to speak, and just say, Hey, you know, besides just improving your how you feel and how you perform and you know your day-to-day -day lives uh, you can protect your medical if if, if you seek out the right information and are willing to make those changes so yeah, yeah i mean i look at you know a lot of people are aware of the fact that they need to get healthier but they don't really give it the time of day they don't give it the time it deserves because it doesn't have as direct ramifications to their employment as something with, you know, like what you've faced with, with airlines, um, you know, like if you fail your medical, then they take your, your job away. Your, your ability to create income and feed the family is removed uh, full stop. So, you know, for, for me, you know, I would just think that the more pilots and people in similar job tasks that, that require a certain, uh, you know, to, to pass a certain test, so to speak, know of this as a, as a viable way to ensure that they do pass those tests, whether that be uh, from a blood glucose regulation standpoint or, or whatever that may be. But simply having this as a viable option that will directly impact their ability to, you know, maintain their employment has got to be pretty motivating. It should be very motivating, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, on, on that note, yeah, it's just a matter of getting that information out there and, you know, um, making sure that people are rather letting or having the information there. So that if people want to make that change, they can, and the, and good information is out there, you know, uh, for example, the content that, that you're providing and, and, and how all this stuff relates to like in my, you know, uh, you know, industry, you know, holding that medical, there's very specific parameters on blood pressure. And if your blood pressure goes, you know, out of range, you know, they'll deny, they'll deny your medical. And, Granted, you get your blood pressure back down and, you know, you can get your medical back. It's not as much of an ordeal as what, you know, I had to, to deal with. But nonetheless, just trying to get that information out there. Like, you know, you've had, I believe you had uh, Dr. Ben Bickman on your show. Have you not? Actually, I have not. I need to get him on the show. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I I'm sure you've heard about some of his stuff as it pertains to blood pressure, you know, oh, yeah. high insulin oh, yeah. levels are directly related to high blood pressure numbers, you know, and, um, I've worked in, you know, with a few people and that were having issues with high blood pressure and explained to them some of that relationship and showed them some of Dr. Bickman's work. 
and uh, you know, referenced or re rather referred them to some of his videos on the subject. And once they saw the um, the non-biased information, and they said, "Okay, well, how do I fix this?" And I just said, "You know, making some pretty simple changes can make a huge difference." And a couple of them within a month of modifying their nutrition, their blood pressure stabilized, it came down back into acceptable ranges for their medical, and they were able to get their medical back and return to their career with nothing more than not nutritional changes and no medication required, much to the befuddlement of their doctors. Yeah, it, it just, I mean, it takes a little bit of effort. It takes some time and research and some dietary and, and lifestyle changes. I mean, when you stop and think about what a typical day in the life of a commercial airline pilot is, I um, mean, you, you can shed a lot more light on this than I can, but I would imagine you're spending the vast majority of your time starting from the early in the day to late at night in airport terminals where the availability of high-quality food is not really <laughs> in abundance. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and although it, it can be a fairly high-stress you know, stress environment at times, um, it yeah, it's not a healthy environment. Um, you know, it's one of those jobs where um, – yeah, you know, it can be mentally taxing and even physically draining as well. But um, it's not physically draining, meaning there's, there's not a lot. I wouldn't say there's a lot of physicality to it. I mean, you know, you, yeah, you're walking around the airport, getting to and from your planes, getting to and from the hotel. But it's not a very healthy lifestyle if you make it so. But you can make very simple changes, you know, just like any other, uh, you know, uh, form of employment or being busy with, you know, kids and, you know, daily chores and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I just try to impress upon people that like small changes can make a massive difference. And yeah, like you said, in airport terminals, they're not the best food. You know, I mean, you can find stuff if you know where to look for it. And that's the thing is just get the information to people. So they say, okay, I know rather than going to Chick-fil-A and getting, you know, fried chicken fingers or whatever, I could go over to this other place and to a, you know, smash burger and get, you know, two or three or four patties and, you know, skip the, you know, red sugar sauce, otherwise known as ketchup and, you know, have something halfway decent to eat, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Totally. You, uh, you mentioned kids in there and that, that would be a good segue to the, the next part of this podcast. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you've got your first on the way. Is that true? That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the, the big brouhaha in the household lately. Uh, my wife and I are, are expecting our uh, first little boy, so we're super excited about that. And, um, you know, uh, just similar to what we've been talking about, you know, the nutritional choices, I, I don't feel, you know, at all resigned about saying this, where they made all the difference. Um, you know, I know Dr. You know, I believe you're quite good friends with them. Dr. Ken Berry talks about it all the time where, you know, when you start removing a lot of these, you know, toxins and, you know, inflammatory foods and things that are spiking insulin, um, you know, from a women's health standpoint can make a massive difference. And you start getting, you know, the right fats and, you know, to supply your body, what it needs to, you know, have hormone balance and, and so on can make a huge difference. Um, I don't think she'd mind me saying this, but my wife's 40, I'm 42. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you go by the statistics and, you know, the physicians that we were initially working with, um, you know, they, they were shocked. I mean, you know, 
without getting into too many details, we didn't have any, you know, issue get, you know, uh, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting pregnant. And it just, again, the, the physicians were obviously very happy, but they were just shocked. They were like, you know, usually people of your age group are high risk and are, you know, generally have to, um, do quite a bit with, uh, you know, various fertility treatments and that just, you know, we, you know, again, I'm not saying this to sound ungrateful. I, I still think we're very, very fortunate, but, um, I do not think it's a coincidence that we had the success that we did, um, outside of our nutritional choices, which is, you know, real whole foods, staying away from all the processed stuff. Um, you know, low carb ketogenic diet, um, focusing on nutrient quality and, and just all the stuff that, you know, uh, that we both, you know, focus on had a massive, um, component to that. And she's having a great pregnancy. Um, you know, uh, for the women that are listening out there, uh, they're thinking about getting pregnant. I mean, it's not a panacea by any means, but, um, she's had very, very little, almost no nausea, uh, very little inflammation, um, has not had any problems with, you know, cravings and, you know, weight management and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's just, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. It, it made, it's making a huge difference and we have every intent of, uh, uh, and not just intent that, that sounds dismissive, but we will uh, maintain this, uh, this lifestyle for the rest of our lives and introduce it into our child's life as well, because it's just, it's profound. That That's, that's so cool, man. I mean, I feel like, you know, whenever you talk to somebody, whenever I talk to someone that that's had like a 180 degree shift in the quality of their life in large part due to their, their nutritional, uh, you know, choices in adopting a ketogenic, low carb carnivore diet, and then just having like a total shift in how their bodies responded to it. And it, it's just changed the way they live their day to day. Like it has for you and getting your, getting your, you know, wings back like it has for you and your wife and having your first son on the way. I mean, like that is just the coolest thing ever to, to know and think that a diet, a way of putting food in your mouth, the types of food that you put in your mouth and, and how your body assimilates and uses that could have such a profound impact on every waking moment of your life is just beyond me. But it's the coolest thing in the world. And I'm so blessed to be a part of a community that values that. So I'm, I'm over the moon for you, man. I'm incredibly excited. I'm excited that that you are internally motivated to give this that all the respect it deserves and instill it upon you know your son because you believe in it so strongly because it's changed your life like it has. I mean that's that's paying it forward, man. I'm 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 excited for you. Yeah, man. I appreciate that, and yeah, we're we're looking forward to it as well. And you know, um, you know, Sarah, my wife and I have talked about this and. You know, we're, we're already talking about, you know, how we're going to navigate, you know, the family, you know, um, my, my sister is very supportive of it, uh, of it, but yeah, I mean, you know, you know how it is. Your family is probably similar, you know, we're, we're outliers in the family and, you know, how we're going to navigate that, but without sounding harsh, you know, it's not my intent, but you know, the way we both see it is, is that um we feel strongly enough about this is that we will be very clear not not abrasive but be very clear about our uh nutritional uh, choices for our son and uh you know just 
a, you know, I guess very uh, be very very pointed about that with you know family members that you know we 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 will not be feeding our kid all this you know high sugar high starch high corn syrup high this high that stuff for a treat and one thing that really has helped solidify that for me is I have a couple friends that are one couple is uh, older than than us by about five years that have you know, have a one-year-old now and another uh, friend of ours that have had two kids, um, both of, you know, which they've raised, you know, low carb, you know, eating, you know, very healthy whole food, you know, uh, um, uh, foods and whatnot, concentrating on high fat, high protein, keeping them away from the sugars and everything that everyone thinks you got to feed kids. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those are the three most well-behaved, calm, and just awake, uh, you know, just a standout small children I've ever come in contact with. And I've, I've been around enough of them to see a stark difference between, you know, the, the, the frequent meltdowns of a lot of infants and my friend's kids that, I mean, they have their moments. I'm not saying that these kids are angels all the time, but it, it's not even comparable. I mean, these kids just do not have these, you know, meltdowns all the time they're just they're different kids (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's i don't know man like i'm crystal and i will have us a kiddo at some point um and i've honestly thought very very deeply about how i'm going to approach you know those kind of conversations with my my parents grandparents and just other people in the family that are not keto don't understand it don't even respect it and I, i have no desire to push my way of you know living or eating onto other people um, but I accept the responsibility of my offspring as my responsibility. And therefore, I feel it's my responsibility to ensure that they're not putting a bunch of crap down my kid's you know, throat. And I feel like that being said, you know, just simply having that conversation with them at the onset and, and being very pointed, like you're saying, and just tell them how it is. I mean, I think that's the best way you can do it. Um, and I would just hope that they would respect me enough, uh, to honor that and same, same to you. Um, so I think, I think that's key. I think just communication is key, uh, telling people, you know, what you're doing and why and hopeful and being, you know, hopeful that they respect you enough to, to honor those wishes. Um, that's, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, (laughs) I I know it's going to be a little bit of, uh, a struggle, but I, I do feel that the you know, majority of, you know, if not all of our family, as long as we provide a good reason for it and, you know, they'll, they see that it's not causing, you know, harm. And, you know, I, I generally, I genuinely feel that, you know, that's, that's the best way for your, your, your kids to, you know, not, um, you know, uh, grow and achieve and, 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 uh, you know, just provide, you know, for them. Yeah. I I think that they'll respect that. And I I hope that they do. Um, and you know, uh, you know, you can't, and and I know another aspect of that, that, you know, some people have said, well, um, you know, what happens when they get older or what happens when they're, you know, quote unquote, not under your control. And I go, well, that's where the education comes in. You know, when the kids are old enough to, understand or to have these conversations and they ask you 
you know, you know, dad, why aren't we having that cake over there? And you can talk and talk to him like a human being and say, well, you know, I don't, you know, that that's probably not going to make us feel very good. And if they say, well, why are my friends eating it? And, and we aren't, now you, you, you can use that as, you know, teaching opportunities. And ultimately, yeah, they're humans, you know, they're, they're, they're their own people. They're going to make their own choices. But I think laying the foundation as parents, um, I'm convinced is, is absolutely paramount and what they choose to do with that foundation or what they build upon it later on in their life. That's their choice. They're going to be humans. They're going to be people. But, you know, I think as parents, uh, I firmly believe we need to lay that, that positive foundation and set them up for, uh, the, the best success possible. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Well, you're getting a head start on me. So when I get when I when I have a kid, I'll be I'll be calling you up uh, for another podcast round three, and it'll be all about parenting. And you can tell me what all you've learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. I'll do what I can. I mean, I know it's it's a it's a big, you know, it, it's a big challenge, but we're we're looking forward to it. Um, and uh, you know, my wife and I are well convinced we're going to be one and done. So we're going to have one kid, and that's going to be you know, uh, plenty for us and we're excited about it. And yeah, we're just looking forward to see how it turns out. And, but, you know, again, going back to the, the nutrition side of the house, it's, I, you know, there's so much information coming out now that, you know, before, during, after pregnancy for women, you know, the nutritional and lifestyle choices that not only the women, but the, you know, the, the men in the, in the equation, uh, the, the better your nutrition is going into it, you know, the better, you know, a basis you're going to provide for those kids. And, you know, again, going back to some of you know, Dr. Barry's work. Um, and then also, you know, um, Ben Beckman talks a lot about it too. And the effects of, you know, that, you know, potential for insulin resistance and, you know, metabolic derangement, you know, before the kids are even born and how that, could potentially predispose them for issues later on in life. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, you, you hear that and you're like, man, you know, you, you, as a parent, like, how could you, how could you not, you know, take that into account? And, you know, for the folks that are listening here and weren't aware of this before, it's not like all is lost or, you know, I'm saying that they're bad people or they're bad parents or that is absolutely not what I'm saying, but knowing what we know now, you know, we're very uh, steadfast in our intent to, to uh, continue with this, this lifestyle. Cause it's just, I mean, across the board, I mean, it, it's provided huge out, uh, health benefits for my wife, myself. It's allowed me to return back to my career. Uh, it's just, you know, I can't, I can't talk about it enough. It's, it's just, it, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, the, the, when I started learning more about the epigenetic effect of how our nutrition can directly impact our, our children's, uh, from like an epigenetic standpoint, it just blew my mind. And knowing what I know now, what I'm continuing to learn, it's, it's, I mean, that we were talking about responsibility earlier, and that responsibility is, it's much more, you know, in your day-to-day -day activities than you may at first realize. So taking, taking that into consideration and acting accordingly is so incredibly key. Um, but that's, that's exciting. You know, if you, if you know that you're doing the right things, uh, then it doesn't have to be this, you know, regretful scenario it doesn't have to be this intimidating and anxious, you know, anxiety driven stricken scenario. It can be something that you're excited about because you know that you're 
setting them up for success from an epigenetic standpoint before, you know, long before they're even here, which is, which is awesome in my opinion. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know, going back to some of the, you know, folks, my, some coworkers and other people in the industry that, you know, flying industry that I've worked with, um, you know, it's never too late is the thing, you know, I mean, even if people are just recently coming to this knowledge and this way of life and this potential, um, it, it's never too late to make, to start some of these changes and, you know, to make some of those incremental positive changes to your, to your, you know, nutrition and your lifestyle. And, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's one of those things where before my diagnosis of diabetes, I was fairly health conscious. I remember we talked a little bit about that, but you know, I, I definitely was not as well informed um, as I'd like to think I am now. And, you know, did, did that make me a bad person? You know, no, it just made me, I wasn't informed at that point. And, you know, you, you know, everyone can make those changes whenever they choose. And then ultimately it's everyone's personal choice to make those changes and, you know, see if, you know, they want to, you know, imp impose some, or rather uh, apply some of those changes to their kids and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's um, I, just those, that, you know, that's a big message that, that I try and uh, portray or rather uh, reiterate to, you know, folks in the diabetic community, which is unfortunately they've, they've been kind of fed, <laughs> excuse the pun, but a lot of uh, uh, information that just is not going to be beneficial for their long-term health. And, you know, to just try some of those other things, you know, it can't hurt like, you know, eating real foods and cutting down your carbohydrates, even if you don't want to go full ketogenic, you know, uh, it can't hurt. You know, I always use the scenario of, you know, when you start off in the morning, you know, like if you've been eating, you know, a scone and a mocha frappa latte, you know, maybe just tone it down on the you know sugary coffee drink and have something with some protein in it. So you're not kicking the hornet's nest and spending the rest of the day running. <laughs> yeah, totally agree, man. I mean, just, you know, making like anything's better than nothing. So, you know, chipping away at that every single day in some form or fashion and letting that compounding effect, you know, take hold and, and improve your life over time. That's 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 what anybody should aspire to do from a nutritional standpoint, especially because you have direct control over that. Um, I mean, if I was a bet, man, I'd, I'd certainly bet on the changes that you've made over the past several years and are continuing to make and, you know, changes that will impact your, your future sons. So, I think you're doing everything right, man. I think you're you're in the right headspace and you're making the right moves, and I'm super excited for you, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, man. I mean, it's it's um, you know, it, it's yeah, like I said, it's it's exciting, man. There's a lot of stuff moving forward, and you know, again, I, I just feel massively um, fortunate to have found my way, and you know, been you know, you know, found the information that, that, you know, we've all found and, you know, and how much of a profound uh, effect that can have on, on folks' lives. And I, I don't know, I, I just feel very fortunate because I know there's a lot of people out there, you know, especially given what's happened this last year, uh, that are in a bad spot and they're, they're, you know, hurting and, you know, struggling. And, um, you know, it, it, it's tough. You know, I, I, I almost, I wouldn't say I feel guilty, but you know, I, I don't want to blow the horn too loud because I don't I don't want to make people feel bad that are in a bad spot right now. But, you know, just to help and hopefully encourage some folks and say, you know, it, th th there'll, there'll be a backside. It, it might be a long road, but 
um, you know, you, you can get on the other side of it if you just have some tenacity and, and uh, you know, stick with it. Absolutely, man. I mean, what, what's the alternative to viewing life through that lens? I mean, it's it's if you don't have that optimistic outlook, then life is just very drab and negative. And I mean, no no productive thing comes from that. So, I think I think you're an inspiration. I mean, you you damn sure inspired inspired me because I I mean I remember talking to you, like I said back in episode sixty five, and you had just had your wings stripped from you, and you didn't know what your future was going to look like. So that you know, have you sent me that email a couple of weeks back about how you just gotten, uh, you know, everything passed and approved and you were cleared to fly again, man. Like that, that is so incredibly empowering and just hats off to you, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. And you're inspiring a lot more people than you realize. Well, again, I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, on, you know, non, you know, flying related issues, you know, I mean, you know, what, you know, you and Crystal and, you know, everyone over in your team have been accomplishing as, as, you know, been in parallel to hopefully what some of the stuff I've been doing is, which is just, I mean, it, it you know, the progression of a real homegrown, hardworking business, like, you know, you're running is, you know, tremendously, uh, you know, admirable. And, you know, I, I don't hesitate supporting it, you know, buying those bricks. And I, you know, I, I wasn't kidding when I sent you that message about you're going to get some pictures of that brick floating around in the flight deck at 41,000 feet because <laughs> I'm going to be using those things. <laughs> hey, man, that, that that makes my day, brother. So you send me those pictures, I'll be more than happy to put them on social because I'm I'm proud of what, what those bricks are doing. They're fueling you and you're, and that's fueling your passion, man. That's fueling your career. And, and that's, that's, that's where it's at. That's awesome right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely get some of those in there. <laughs> well, John, man, where can people go to find out more about you and follow along? Yeah, so um, still have a uh, um, Instagram handle there. It's just uh, T1Flyer, so lowercase t, the number one, and then flyer. Um, I post on there from time to time. You know, if people want to get in touch with me, uh, you know, you can always send me a, a message on there and then I'm also on Facebook, um, just John Roth. I'm, you know, don't have a weird side name there. Um, and th- those are the two main platforms there. And if people get in touch with me, um, especially if it has to do with, uh, you know, dieback management and some of the things that I've learned and utilized that have helped, you know, have, you know, basically non-diabetic control, um, you know, on, on my blood work, you know, I'm not diabetic. So, and that's attributed to, you know, again, nutrition and, and uh you know other management tactics or to rather techniques um be more than happy to talk to folks about that and um yeah you know i mean if there's any parents out there that maybe have uh you know diabetic kids um you know those barriers are being knocked down every day and to my knowledge the only last remaining one that i don't think is probably going anywhere is uh, military service to in most regards but um there's one less barrier out there to uh, folks that, that that do have you know type one or insulin treated you know type two, so uh, you know just just keep plugging away. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I will certainly link out to that so people can find you. Like I said, I mean you're you've been an inspiration to me, and I think anybody listening that has found themselves in a similar situation or knows someone that has can find inspiration in this for sure, man. So keep keep doing what you're doing, keep fighting a good fight, keep spreading the word, and keep living life, man. I'm excited for you. All right, man. Again, I really appreciate all that. That's uh, that's very encouraging.
You bet, man. Take care, John. All right.